0: If you have your Bibles today, you can open up with me the book of Luke chapter 13 as we continue our study together through this gospel written by Dr. Luke together. Today we come to a very funny to me, very strange, very funny passage of scripture because what we see in this passage of scripture is the attempt on the part of some to frighten Jesus. That just seems absurd, doesn't it? I I mean, it just seems crazy to us that someone would attempt to frighten Jesus. But that's really what they're doing. They're saying, you better stop what you're doing, and you better hightail it out of here, because Herod has heard about you, and he knows who you are, and he's coming for you to kill you. So you better stop what you're doing, and you better flee. Get away from here. Now, whether or not the Pharisees had heard any actual threat or heard of an actual threat on the life of Jesus is beside the point. They wanted to stop Jesus regardless. And so they were going to attempt to stop the work in the ministry of Jesus through fear by telling him that his life was at stake and he needed to run. Ain't that something? And Jesus responds very, very strongly here. He says, You go tell that fox. Now, that was a, a term that meant a cunning and weak ruler. Herod was not a strong, powerful ruler. He was very weak. He was very cunning. He was a man that, that knew how to, to work the right people and work the right channels to maintain power. And Jesus said, you go tell that, that weak ruler. Now, he knew who a powerful ruler was, right? He knew that he was God and that he was in control, and that he is sovereign. The strong ruler was right there in their midst in the person of Jesus Christ. But he was a very meek ruler in that moment. He had all of the strength, all of the power unto himself. Just wasn't time to exercise it. told somebody this week, I said, you know, Jesus was the original John Wayne. He said, you need to write a book under that title. I said, maybe I will someday. But we think of John Wayne as this big... Tough guy, strong guy, powerful guy. We also think of John Wayne as a humble guy, a meek guy at times. You watch his movies and you see that he plays roles where he has all of those many attributes. He was always very just and very good, a very kind man, but a very strong man who was ready to exercise his power in a moment's notice to defend the weak and the helpless, right? Jesus was all of those things, folks. It just wasn't time for him to exercise his ultimate authority and power. He was still sovereign as he walked on this earth. He just was not exercising his sovereignty as he will someday. And you better believe he's going to do that someday. Jesus is going to come back, amen? And when he comes back, he's coming back with all the authority and all of the power and all of the demonstration thereof. And it's going to be a glorious, wonderful day when God comes back, right? It's going to be a great time. So Jesus in that moment, He was and is still and always has been sovereign Lord and the strong ruler. And here is this weak ruler who was threatening the life of Jesus. And these Pharisees who thought they of themselves as strong rulers and powerful men were notifying Jesus. He's coming for you. You better run. And Jesus says, you go back and tell that weak ruler, that cunning man who holds on to his power through deception, lies. And the works of man. You tell him that I'm going to keep on doing what I'm doing. I'm going to keep on doing my ministry. And I'm going to do it until the time which has been appointed. For me to die. In the place that has been appointed for me to die at. Jerusalem. You see I'm going to accomplish. All that the father has set in place for me to do. The purpose for which I'm here. I'm going to live that purpose out. And I'm going to accomplish everything associated with that purpose. I'm going to do it all. I'm going to minister to the hurting. I'm going to minister to the weak. I'm going to minister to the physical needs of the people around me. And I'm going to minister to all of the spiritual needs of those around me. And ultimately, I'm going to go to Jerusalem. And I'm going to die there for all of the world and all of mankind and all of the sin problem that humanity has. I'm going to take care of it all. I'm going to fulfill the Father's plan for me on this earth. And Jesus lived his life in the courage and in the power and in the strength of the Father and his plan for his life on earth. And when we ourselves do the same thing, when we follow God's plan for our life, nothing and no one can stop us. We will accomplish God's purpose for our life when we are following him and his purpose for us. Now, you need to understand that. That is an important principle that's being taught in this scripture. That when we follow God and we follow God's purpose, His plan for our life on this earth, nothing and no one can stop us. God has already appointed the reason for your being and you are going to accomplish that if you decide you're going to walk with Him, trust in Him, and live for that purpose. God has told us very clearly in His Word that His purpose for us is that we would love God with all of our heart, and soul, and mind, and strength, that we would love our neighbor as ourself, and that we would make disciples of Jesus. That's your purpose for being here. You may have thought that you were supposed to be a teacher, a coach, a mailman. You may have thought you were supposed to be a professor, a milkman. You may have thought that you were supposed to be the manager at 7-Eleven, but whatever you're doing vocationally in this life is beside the point. As you go, according to Matthew 28, you are to make disciples. And as you live this life, you're to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and your neighbor as yourself. That is your purpose. That is your raison d'etre, to use your French, right? Some of you guys, whoa, he knows French. I learned about three phrases in three years, and I can use them when I want to, right? That is your reason to be, okay? You want to know your purpose on earth. That is your purpose, to know God, to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, to be His, and to love your neighbor, that is everyone else, as yourself, to put the needs of others ahead of your own, to make disciples of Jesus Christ. That's why we're here. That is our reason to be in this brief, fleeting moment called life on earth. We have an entire eternity ahead of us That is going to be for who knows what. I mean, we're going to continue in those purposes, certainly. Maybe something else God will add to the equation. I don't know. But while you're here, you can be assured of this. You are here to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, your neighbor as yourself, and to make disciples. And if you choose to cooperate with God's purposes for your existence on the earth, nothing and no one, no power above, below, or in this plane can stop you from accomplishing all that God has put on your plate to do, particularly as you fulfill those purposes. We all have different methods and different ways that we accomplish those purposes, don't we? But we all have the same purpose. The problem is, is as we go about living our life and as we go about living out that purpose, we find obstacles in the way which present big problems for us and our eyes and attention begin to fall upon those problems and begin to fall upon those obstacles to the point that they become overwhelming and we cease to live in the victory and in the power and the provision of our Christ and we begin to live in self. We begin to see the problems as overwhelming and we fail to live our purpose. Jesus could have looked at this situation and said, oh no, Herod's after me. I need to run to Syria. He could have done it. He could have said, I want to hold on to my life. And many of us in this room would have done the same thing. We would have said, hey, Herod's after me, Herod's everywhere. His soldiers are everywhere. I got to get out of here. I got to go somewhere else because God can surely accomplish in me out in Syria what I could do here. It'll just be a different group of people, right? We can just justify that in our mind. We can explain it away. We can talk ourselves into leaving where we are to go somewhere else. So, well, I, I can do the same thing over here. I can do the same thing over here. Jesus says, my purpose is in Jerusalem. And God has for me to be here right now in this place. And that's where I'm going to stay. But see, we, we oftentimes, we begin to focus on the problems. We begin to focus on the obstacles. As one fellow said uh, that I read recently, says, when you're up to your neck in alligators, it's difficult to keep your mind on the fact that your primary objective is to drain the swamp. Right? When you're up to your neck in alligators, it's difficult to keep your mind on the objective at hand. You're here to drain the swamp. And that's what the enemy wants us to do. He wants us to turn our attention on all of the things which are against us. And let me tell you something, and let me assure you of this. Because of the great and eternal nature of the purpose God has given us as believers on the earth, you can be assured that you will be opposed at every turn on this journey called life. Satan is going to oppose us at every juncture, at every moment. Because if there's one thing that he does not want, he does not want us to love the Lord our God, with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And he certainly does not want us to love one another. He certainly does not want us to love our enemies. He certainly does not want us to love our neighbor as ourselves. And you can be assured that he does not want us to be about the business of making disciples. So he is going to oppose us. they are going to be alligators at every turn. And if we turn our attention on to the alligators and off of the purpose and the God of the purpose and the God who gives us the power and strength to accomplish that purpose, purpose we're in trouble we're going to slow down and eventually come to a halt and we're going to be a mess it's as the old hymn writer said he said turn your eyes upon who Jesus look full in his wonderful face and the things of this earth will grow strangely dim they will Things of earth will go strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. You see, when we put our eyes upon Christ, we're okay. We put our eyes upon our problems and we begin to falter and fail. We put our eyes on our God and how big our God is. Our problems become small. We begin to live in the power and the strength of Christ. And we begin to overcome. We put our eyes upon our problems. Our God grows smaller and our estimation, our confidence grows weak, and we fail. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. And we see something else in this passage of Scripture which is unbelievable. I mean, this first part is, is, is comical in that these folks thought they could scare Jesus out of his purpose. That's always Satan's plan employs is to scare us out of our purpose and our plan and to put us on the run and to divert our attention from the main things to a whole lot of things which may be good that don't matter for the long term and eternity. It's an interesting, fascinating thing that they thought they could turn Jesus that way, but then you have Jesus' response, and you have this paragraph here where he says, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones God's messengers, how often I have wanted to gather your children together as a hen protects her chicks beneath their wings. But you wouldn't let me. You wouldn't let me. And now look, your house is abandoned. And you'll never see me again until you say, Blessed, blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Time and time again, God desired to gather up Jerusalem as a hen gathers her chicks under her protective wings. And they rejected it. He says, time and time again, I have wanted you to be on board with me and on board with my purposes for your existence. And I would have gathered you up under my wings and I would have provided security for you. I would have protected you. And I would have provided for all of the things you have need of. That's my heart desire. That's what I want to do more than anything for you. I want to gather you up and I want to provide you security and I want to provide all of the things that you need. But again and again, Jerusalem, again and again, you have rejected me. I've sent prophets to you, trying, calling out to you, begging you, pleading with you, crying to you to turn from your wicked ways and turn to me so that I could protect you and I could provide for you. But you killed them, you stoned them, you turned them away. Time and time again, I have called and cried out and yet you continue to reject. Now, there's a twofold promise here. One is if we choose to follow after God and make the main thing the main thing, if we love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, our neighbors, ourselves, and we go about the business of making disciples, if we intend and decide that we're going to live in relationship with God for the purposes for which he has created us and placed us here on the earth, we can be assured of the Lord's protection and security, and we can be assured of all of God's provisions to accomplish that which he has given us on this earth. End of statement. Does that mean everything going to be a bowl of cherries and everything's going to be easy and everything is going to be just fun and games and good? No. Jesus promised to his followers, he said, in this life you're going to have tribulation. In this life you're going to have troubles. But take heart, I've overcome the world. God is going to give us all of the grace and all of the strength and all of the courage to accomplish his purposes. And then we go to see him. There were some Christians up in Oregon this week who were asked a question. Are you a Christian? If they answered the question, yes. They were told, well, good for you. You'll see God in about one second and shot in the head. Now, the most courageous person in America is not the first person who answered that question, but the second. Because after you see one person shot in the head for their faith and you're asked the same question, it takes courage to answer that question in the affirmative, doesn't it? And we ask ourselves when we come, come together and we, and we, and we belabor the point. We, we, we discuss it and talk about it. How and why does God allow these things to happen? And you know what, I don't know all of the answers to all of the questions, but I do know this, is that when we are cooperating with God's purpose for our life, we bring glory to His name. And in their death, they brought glory to the King. And in their death, they lifted up our God. And there are people today who know the courage of what it means to be a Christian and know that it is something real in the heart of someone who would stand up and take a bullet in the head instead of denying their faith for a God who actually exists and rewards those who diligently seek Him. Amen? And we can call it a tragedy, and we can question our God, or we can look to our God and say, thank you, God, for giving them the grace. Thank you for giving them the strength. Thank you for giving them the courage. Thank you for giving them the boldness so that they can stand in the face of a gunman and say, I'm a Christian, and I follow Jesus Christ, my Lord. And if I'm to see him now, I praise God and go there with glory on my lips. Amen? You see, this scripture's true. Even in the midst of what may appear to be loss and defeat, we know it is victory in Christ. See, Jesus gave them everything they needed. He said, well, where was Jesus in that? He was right there giving them courage. He was right there giving them grace. He was right there giving them strength. And he was right there doing as he said he would do, putting the words in their mouth in the moment that they needed them when they couldn't even maybe speak for themselves. They depended on him and he accomplished his purpose in them. When we depend upon our Christ, when we follow our Christ, we will love our Lord and we follow him, seek his purpose, And follow his purpose for our life. He gives us all of the security we need. You think those folks didn't have security in that moment? Of course they did. They were secure in their Lord Jesus Christ. Knowing he had their life in his hands. And whether it was here that they were going to live tomorrow or there. They were going to live. Because their Lord had gone to prepare a place for them. See, our God provided for their security. We don't want to face that moment, do we? He said, well, I hope I don't have to do that. I hope I don't have to either. But let me tell you, if we do, we know our God gives us the grace to do so. And he gives us the provision and the strength to do so. Amen. Our Lord does that because the promise here is that he gathers us up in those moments like a hen gathers her chicks. And he gives us all of the security and all of the provision, all of the things we need to accomplish his purposes in our life. And we can be 100% assured of this when we are in Christ and we are following after His will, and we're walking in His purpose, that we will be 100% successful however that purpose unfolds for our own life individually. Whatever picture it may take for us, we walk in victory. But the inverse is true. If you choose to reject God's purpose and live for something other than Christ, if you choose to live for some purpose other than the one God created you for, you can be assured that all of these things will leave you. You see, what he's saying to Jerusalem here is that you have rejected me, you have rejected my ways, you have rejected my purpose for your existence. And as a human being, if you reject Jesus Christ, you remove yourself out from under his protective care. You remove yourself from his provision. You remove yourself from his courage and his strength and his power, which could be at work within you. And your life becomes something less than it could be. And what you are left doing is wandering around a frustrated man or woman who knows in his or her heart that there must be more to life than what they're experiencing. And let me tell you, there is. Because you were meant for God. And you were meant to live with God, both now and forever. And you were meant to live in cooperation with God for a great, great purpose of eternal value and infinite value while you lived here on this earth. And if you're not experiencing God, and if you're not experiencing His plan for your life, if you're not experiencing the infinite value of relationship with Him and the infinite value of living life on purpose with Him, your life is one that is wandering and searching, frustrated and depressed. If we're outside of God's plan. We need to stop our direction. So sometimes we need to do that individually, and sometimes we need to do that corporately, don't we? Or we get off course. And you know, oftentimes I have found that it is the very good things in life which often steer us off course. We become enamored with things that in themselves are good, but they become a deterrent for us and they detour our lives from God's purposes. And just give you one example of that family family is a good thing right our kids our grandkids those are good and wonderful things but they can detour our life from god's purpose for us if we start to put if we begin to put family ahead of god and that often happens or if we begin to put our school or our job ahead of god Well, I need this job. I need to work hard. I need to do good. I need to be successful. God wants me to be successful. I need to work hard. Yes, but, but you need to put Christ first. Love the Lord your God with what? All of your heart. All of your soul. All of your mind. All of your strength. With everything you are. He is your God. He is your sovereign. He is your Lord. Not anything not anyone else if something else is taking your time attention and purpose away from that which you have been created for it has become an idol in your life it is deterring you from the truth it is removing your life from under god's protective covering and strength and you need to run back to him you need to stop the way that you're going you need to do what the bible says repent turn from the direction you're going and go a new way and go back to him and begin to walk with him doesn't mean you turn your back on or reject those good things in your life. It means they take their proper place in your life and together you begin to live in Christ in proper relationship to one another and you begin to reap a blessing in those areas of your life which you love the most. I mean, there are, there are things in our life which we love dearly. People in our life that we love dearly. But God, we love the very most, right? And those things which we may love next to Him, those things just take on greater beauty and a greater sense of purpose and goodness in our life when we follow Him, when we follow our Christ. God desires so much for all of us to walk with Him under His protective wing, under His protective covering, inside of His great provision. What are you here for? How are you living your life? Now there's a story about Yogi Bear. He passed away here in the last week or two. I love baseball. It's been a hard weekend for us at our house. Love baseball. Love baseball. My son loves baseball. We love it. So I love baseball stories. And I came across this story, and I thought this illustrates this whole sermon in a nutshell probably better than anything else I could have found. It's a story about Yogi Bear. He was a great catcher for the New York Yankees. And Hank Aaron, he was a great slugger for the Milwaukee Braves. And some of you say, well, I thought it was the Atlanta Braves it is now. But it, it had not always been the case, right? Some of you old-timers know they used to be in Milwaukee. And so Hank Aaron was a great slugger and home run hitter for the Milwaukee Braves. And it's said that during the World Series in which the Yankees were playing the Braves, Hank Aaron came up to bat. And Yogi Bear had this habit where he would always – He'd be talking. He'd be speaking encouragement to his teammates and he'd always be talking to the batters trying to distract them as he crouched behind the plate to catch the ball. As Hank Aaron came up to bat he held his bat up and Yogi called up to him and said hey Hank how you doing? He said you know you're holding that bat wrong. He said you're supposed to hold it where you can read the trademark. Hank didn't say anything. Next pitch came in Knocks the ball over the left field fence. Hank goes around the bases. As he comes and touches home plate, he turns to Yogi and said, I didn't come up here to read. What do you at bat to do? You know what? You're up to bat whether you know it or not. As long as you draw breath on this earth, you're up to bat. You're here for a purpose. And some of us are reading our trademarks to the swinging for the fences. God wants you to swing for the fence. He created you to swing for the fence. He puts you up there to hit base hits, doubles, triples, and home runs. And if you're distracted by something less, if you're distracted by something which keeps you from your purpose in life of loving the Lord your God, with all your heart and soul and mind and strength, loving your neighbor as yourself and making disciples, then it's time to do what the Bible calls repent. Turn. Because you're here to hit. You're here to swing the bat. You're here to hit some home runs. And you know what? In Christ, each of you are capable of just that—not in yourself, not in myself, but in Christ we're capable of hitting home runs. You say, well, you know, I could never hit the ball like Hank Aaron." I know I cannot hit the ball. Hank Aaron right now can hit the ball probably—you know—Hank Aaron still alive? I don't even know. Probably hit the ball more better than I can today. But but the fact of the matter is, in Christ I can hit home run. In Christ you can hit home. We're not dependent on what we can do. We're dependent on what he can do in us. And so this morning, I want to encourage you. I want to just challenge you. I want you to take a look at your life and what you're about. And I want you to just ask yourself the question, am I swinging the bat or am I reading the trademark? Am I really living for the purpose for which God has called me to? Am I living in Christ under the Lord's protection and in the Lord's provision? Or am I living for something else, which really doesn't matter, a hill of beans, grand scheme of things of eternity. What am I living for? If you cannot answer that question, Christ, and and the, the purpose that Christ put you on this earth, then this morning I ask you to stop in your tracks, turn around and pray this prayer to the Lord. Say, Jesus, I am sorry I have become distracted. And Jesus, I want to begin to live for the purpose you created me. And Lord, I turn to you, commit myself to your ways, and ask you to keep me there. Could you do that this morning? If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord of your life, the first step is entering into a relationship with God. The first step is coming down and saying, I need a relationship with God. And in just a moment, we're going to have a time of invitation. If you'll come down, we'll help you to know how to do that. But if you're a believer in Christ and you're sitting there this morning, and you say, I have not been living in Christ for the purpose for which Christ has created me, then it's just a simple prayer for you this morning. It's just a matter of saying, Jesus, I'm sorry I have lived for some other purpose than that which you have created me. I repent. Keep me in repentance.